0: Welcome to Master Metabolism Without Macros, where I'm going to give you tons of information today about how you can manage your overall stress on your body to support healthy metabolism, hormones, as well as gut. So let's get right into it here. A little bit about what we're going to cover. So I'm going to go over some introductions. I want to introduce myself a little bit, uh, introduce you to my story because it's had a major impact on me and the coach that I am today and what I emphasize with my clients. I'm going to go over a couple client, client cases that show to you guys that the strategies that I'm utilizing here in this presentation today They work. I use them with my clients all the time and we see amazing results. Then I'm going to dive into metabolism basics, give you a nice solid foundation of understanding. So that way, when we get into stress and what components we need to factor into what is stress and the impact that it has on our bodies, you understand how it impacts your metabolism, hormones, and once again, your gut. So what's up guys? I am coach Diana, as you might know me as the anti-macro coach or coach Diana Lee on Instagram. I'm a functional nutrition coach and I help men and women heal from the inside out through nutrition, fitness, and lifestyle strategies. Now with functional nutrition coaches, a lot of times you see them utilizing macro tracking, but not everybody can macro track. And once again, I'm going to give you a little bit more on my story, my background with macro tracking and why it ultimately wasn't healthy for me. And i want to bring that functional nutrition space to the anti-macro counting world to open that up for those individuals who find macro tracking to be obsessive or disordered in any way. A little bit more about me, just from a personal standpoint, I did recently get married and I wanted a less than traditional wedding. So I incorporated a few key personal touches of mine. So one was a temporary tattoo station as a nod to the tattoos that I have and my love for tattoos. And you can see that picture of my husband placing them on me at our wedding. And in addition, we didn't have a wedding cake. Instead, we did Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Sean and I have always eaten the tonight dough flavor. It's the Jimmy Fallon flavor. If you guys are up with that flavor, let me know. And we also, we live in San Diego. We've been living here for about five and a half years as of this recording. And we live with our dog, Thor. And if you follow me on Instagram, you're probably very familiar with Thor because you follow along with his weekly Sunday pancake that he always gets and weekly cheese shred or now known as the cheese tax that happens usually when I do my breakfast meal prep. Uh, I love wigs. You're going to see them pop up a lot throughout this presentation. I kind of want to be like a Moira Rose. I just love the idea that you can change your hair at any moment's time. So you've now already met Two of what I call the girls uh, between these first two slides, but I love wigs. I just want more reasons for us to wear them out. And I'm an emo kid at heart. I'm very much into metalcore music and a bass head as well. So basically any aggressive music is my jam. If there's anything that we vibe on, I would love for you to hit me up and let me know. Let's talk about it. I love talking about music. I love talking about all different kinds of things. I especially love talking about my dog and ice cream. So go ahead, hit me up in my DMs. Now, a little bit about my background in the health and fitness space. So this is me back in the day when I was truly fitness obsessed. I thought that if I just worked out all of the time that I would reach my goals much quicker. So I was participating in CrossFit at the time. I loved CrossFit. I was drinking the Kool-Aid like I was chugging the Kool-Aid, right? So I was working out at CrossFit about five to six days a week. Sometimes for an hour, but sometimes for more than an hour, I was often attending additional lifting classes to get better at particularly those Olympic weightlifting movements. And then in addition to that, I was also an avid runner. So I was participating in 5Ks, 10Ks, as well as even half marathons. So I was training running about three to four days a week. And that's not it. On top of that, I was also teaching spin classes at least two days a week, sometimes three if I picked up a shift here and there. So I was exercising well over six hours a week. Of course, it would vary week to week, but I was training all of the time. And of course, as a single mid 20 something year old, I had all the time in the world to do so. And once again, I was under the assumption that if I trained all the time, I would meet my goals faster. Now, the problem is, is that my goals were very heavily focused on my body and my physical appearance. So despite the fact that this is what I looked like back then, my body was still never good enough, which really just shows you how much body dysmorphia can impact you. So at this time, I had started tracking macros because who in the CrossFit space wasn't tracking macros at that time. So I got into tracking macros and I was constantly putting myself at a deficit. I always wanted to lose weight or I always wanted to make my body as small as possible. And once again, it was just never good enough for me. Now, in addition to all of this, I lived an extremely high stress lifestyle. I was working a nine to five corporate job at the time. I was coaching CrossFit on the side, teaching spin classes on the side. And in addition to that, I was running a dog sitting business as well on the weekends. So I really didn't have a ton of free time. And At the time, that was good for me because I was like, I can't handle free time because I won't know what to do with myself. Rest and recovery and relaxing wasn't really a thing that I was accustomed to. And as a result, I've actually been dealing with generalized anxiety since probably mid college is when I got diagnosed. I can probably argue that I've been dealing with it for much longer than that. But in essence, you know, I looked like this. I had a lot of people who would come up to me, whether it was in my CrossFit classes or my spin classes, and people would tell me, I want to look like you. I looked the part. I looked super fit. I looked like a CrossFit coach. But the problem was is that deep down, I wasn't actually healthy. There was a lot of disorder going on in my life at this point. Now I hit two particular rock bottoms that really shaped me as a coach today and just as an individual in the fitness world, navigating my own health journey. The first one, if you guys listen to my podcast, the Anti Macro Podcast, you may have heard this story be told before, but I've deemed it the Cashew Incident. Uh, A little bit of a short. (laughs) I'm going to give it to you in a short detail, but essentially, I was tracking my macros at the time. I was also weighing and measuring my food, so I had measured out my plate and I. Remember to this day, it was 33 grams of cashews that I was allotted to eat at that particular meal. So I put it all on my plate, weighed everything out, sat down to eat it. And my now husband reached over and grabbed a single cashew off that plate and ate it. And I lost my mind on him. I started you know, yelling, how could you do this? You're sabotaging my goals. Can't you see how hard I'm working? And he was like, you can just get another cashew. And I was like, no, I can't. Now... Of course, in the moment, I thought that I was very justified for my response. He was looking at me like I was crazy. And quite frankly, he was right. I was being crazy. (laughs) And so after a little bit, after I settled down from the incidents, I, I really looked back on that and said, okay, wow, this is a huge red flag that macro tracking is actually not healthy for me. It's clearly showing uh, some issues that I have with food. So we're going to have to change something. And this is really what sparked my ultimate journey, my path down into the anti-macro space. So i relearned my entire relationship with food, what it meant to truly fuel and nourish my body, as opposed to continually put it in a deficit and try to finagle how I can manipulate my body to look a certain way. And I learned a lot about how to do this through the hand portion method, which is something I'm going to expose you to today because it's something that I use to help my clients with guided nutrition. Now, my second rock bottom was a little bit more recently. It was in November of 2021. So I've been dealing with chronic back pain for most of my life. I am a former gymnast and my back pain started when I was a gymnast. And I was always taught to push through the pain. This was just a common message that was always said to me Since I was a young kid and that's exactly what I did. So then when I got really into CrossFit and spin and running, and I was just driving my body into the ground with how frequently I was training And I was having all of these injury flare ups, right? My back was bothering me all the time. At this point, my knees started bothering me as well. And as I went along in my fitness journey, you know, I started to scale back. I started to swap out movements. I was getting to a point where I couldn't even run at all without knee pain, which ultimately did stem from my back pain. Um, And finally, you know, in November of 2021, we're all caught up here. I was squatting one day in the gym and I was still having pain with just the basic squat movement. And it felt off. It didn't feel right. And I knew that within my body, It was time that I needed a change. So I formally pulled back from CrossFitting, all high intensity fitness, and I hired my coach who I am still working with to this day, once again, at the time of this recording to rehab my chronic back pain. And I'm seeing significant improvements, but my, my fitness has drastically changed since then. I've really slowed things down. I do a lot more standard conventional weightlifting. I have not hit high intensity in a really long time, and I've really learned a lot more about the value of rest, recovery, and listening to your body. So now at this point, the person that I am today, my abs are a little bit less pronounced than the image that you saw about two slides ago, but I'm truly the healthiest that I've ever been at this point in my life. See, having a six pack did not make me healthy, but ultimately releasing a lot of the control that I held around my body and around food and fitness and finding a healthier way to go about living my life has made me an overall healthier person. I do not track macros, and I even got to a point where I was eating intuitively for over a year, which means that I wasn't tracking anything. I was following my body, following my own hunger and fullness cues, and using my nutritional knowledge to navigate food. But as of lately, I'm actually currently on a surplus. I'm working on gaining weight, putting back on some muscle that I had lost through my rehab journey. Uh, So I am going back to using the hand portion method for this time. I do typically exercise about four days a week, only for about an hour at a time. That's it in comparison to what I was doing a few years back. And I heavily, heavily, heavily emphasize rest and recovery now. And I'm going to talk a lot about how you guys can learn from my experience and really how I've found a much more balanced approach to health that has made me a better person today. So, I want to know is this you? You know, maybe keep a mental checklist of how many things here do you relate to? So, you train hard. And what I mean by that is chances are you participate in high intensity exercise at least four or more hours per week. When I'm talking about high intensity exercise, I'm referencing CrossFit, Orange Theory, F45, any kind of boot camp or HIT style workouts. Spin absolutely comes into play here. Running can also count as well. And if you're the type of person where maybe taking a rest day gives you anxiety, like you cannot rest, you don't know what to do with yourself, or you're like, if I have a rest day, my mood is clearly off. Or maybe you even hit two a day. Sometimes you might hit those two a days as a regular part of your fitness routine, or you hit two a days to make up for rest days. From a nutrition aspect, you think you eat well, right? You're being cognizant about your nutrition, but there's a few things off here. You've tried an array of diets. So this is my favorite when people come to work with me and I ask them what they've done before and they're like, you name it, I've tried it all. Macro tracking, intermittent fasting, keto, weight watchers, whole 30, six-week challenges, The works, right? But nothing seems to stick for long. Maybe you do get results for a period of time, but you find yourself slipping eventually, or maybe you just don't get results at all because it doesn't work for you. You try to eat clean, but you self-identify as having a sweet tooth. And maybe you finish off each meal that you eat with a sweet treat. Or maybe you just feel like your sweet tooth has a chokehold on you and you have to keep these foods out of your home because you simply can't be trusted around them. And then you think that eating clean Monday through Friday makes up for a cheat weekend, but this is happening every weekend. And let me be honest with you right now, this was. Me, for the longest period of time when I was tracking my macros, I would be so good Monday through Friday, and every single weekend was an all-out binge. And I would just repeat this cycle constantly and wonder, why am I so miserable? Hmm, I wonder why. Uh, And let's talk about your goals, right? You would describe your goals as one of the following, or maybe all. You want to get toned. You want to lose weight. You want to build muscle. You want to burn fat. Or my favorite is, I want to look like I work out. Whatever that means to you, but I hear that one come up a lot. So, how many of these do you think describes you? Now, what if I told you that you could eat more, train less, and improve your health and results? It sounds crazy. I know. But trust me on this when I say that this is the exact journey that I went on for myself. This is a journey that a lot of my clients go on as well. And I'm going to prove that to you now with some client stories of mine. I would like you to meet Becky. So Becky worked with me actually a little while ago. Uh, She came to me with a weight loss goal originally. Now, Becky's history with food and dieting, she had done every crash diet in the book. And the worst one she had done was she had previously restricted to as low as 750 calories per day to lose weight leading up to her wedding. Like I'm not kidding. She was eating 750 calories daily. Okay. So when she came to me, she had just had her first daughter and she wanted to be a better role model for her daughter. She knew that her relationship with with food was really off and that she needed to be better so that she could showcase a better relationship with food and her daughter could ultimately have a healthy sense of her own body and food and whatnot. So She came to work with me and what we got started with is a reverse diet. I'm actually going to talk a little bit about that strategy later on in a little bit more detail, but we reverse dieted her. So we increased her calories and got her eating up to 1800 calories. So she was eating a thousand more calories than her lowest essentially lowest weight at one point. Right. And I want you to look over to the message that she had sent me at one point. She said she had just tried on her skinny jeans from her wedding days when she was at her lowest weight and they fit comfortably. But here's the catch is she was five to 10 pounds up from what she weighed at that time. Now, how is that possible? This is what we call body recomposition. So we fueled Becky's eating with more calories. And then she was combining that with intentional weight training So she was building muscle and she was really shifting the overall composition of her body. So while she weighed more, she looked and felt a lot better in her body. Now, in addition to that, she saw improvement in her gut health, as well as her mindset around food. And you'll see this chart here. And this chart actually shows Becky's weight loss journey over time. And it just goes to show that Becky was eating more while being on that weight loss trajectory that she had wanted originally. I'd like you to meet Heather as well. Heather is actually a more recent client of mine. She just started working with me this year. So these results speak for themselves for really what's happened in such a short period of time. So when Heather came to me, she didn't really have a weight loss goal. She wasn't trying to fixate on her body too much. She was more flexible with whatever results come. That's great. But she really felt that she needed to get off macros and gain control over her eating habits. Some of what Heather was experiencing was these binges on foods, particularly sweets and indulgences where she felt completely out of control. And she would honestly eat until she made herself feel sick. She felt completely out of control and she'd been tracking her macros and it just wasn't actually working for her. And she knew something had to change. Heather does participate in F45. She throws in the occasional CrossFit class. So she likes her high intensity fitness. But in addition to that, she lives a very high stress life right now. She's got some personal family things that have been going on that she's been dealing with. Then on top of that, she's had some work stressors that that we've had to work through as well. And so stress has been a really major conversation with Heather in her journey. Now, One piece that we did change with Heather's nutrition is we intentionally added carbohydrates back into her diet. See, the thing is, is that Heather was keeping her carbs low, but then she was binging on sweets later. So ultimately she wasn't actually keeping her carbohydrates low. She was just eating more processed carbohydrates when she is eventually caved into eating them. Right? So we wanted to add more whole real food carbohydrates to intentionally fuel her high intensity workouts. This naturally curbed her binges on sweets. She messaged me and was like, oh my God, I found that I'm not binging at all. At no point did I tell her you can't indulge, but instead we worked on indulging mindfully and enjoying the indulgence when it's happening and just being a lot more aware of her eating habits as a whole. In addition, sometimes she was working out less. So particularly doing, during very high stress periods of Heather's life, I have instructed her, hey, we're not going to hit F45 as many times this week. We're going to pull back on those high-intensity workouts. We're going to kick up on some of your walks and recovery-based activities, prioritize sleep and stress management during this time. And we've been, we've been managing this week over week with whatever she's had going on. Now, over a seven-week period, she did an in-body scan, At the start of these seven weeks at her F45 uh, gym, and then at the end of the seven weeks, she was so excited to share these results with me. Her weight, she had only lost one pound, and when I say only, that's in her words, I only lost one pound, but... She gained a pound and a half of muscle and she lost 2% body fat. Meanwhile, she had been in maintenance, working out less sometimes, and just overall focusing on more balance in her lifestyle. So it goes to show how, you know, she mentions in this text post, like she had always been trying to put herself into a deficit. And always thought that all she needed to do was lose weight. But really what she needed to do was fuel her body more intentionally and be a lot more intentional about caring for herself as a whole. And the results have come much more naturally. Just a couple more screenshots of things that my clients have said to me. So you'll see less bloating. You see fewer hours in the gym and being more mindful with food and being in the best shape of her life. You see down 1% body fat with increased food intake just from a few months of working together and fewer binges overall on indulgences. And all of these kinds of results come from a lot of the information that I'm about to drop for you here. So of course you're thinking these results Results are amazing. I want them myself, but how do I get them? So let's go ahead and dive into, you know, it's the meat and the potatoes, right? How do you get to know your metabolism a little bit more intimately so you can work with your body instead of against it? So, I want you to know that your metabolism is smart AF. Its job is to keep you alive. And it's constantly taking in all of this information internally as well as externally in your environment. And it's making shifts and changes within your body without you even noticing just to keep you alive. And now over this period of time, your metabolism is collecting all of this information, right? From past diets, from past workouts, from your environment, stress, trauma, all of this. And it's creating what's known as a metabolic identity. And your metabolic identity is very, very important because this is actually going to determine your success with future diet and exercise programs down the line. And if you don't take into account your history, with diet and exercise, then you could be missing the mark here. Now I have great news. You're not stuck with this metabolic identity. Just like my hair has changed drastically over the years. This is just like a small glimpse of some of the hairstyles and hair colors that I've had over the years. Um, Just like my hair, you can change your metabolic identity with some key shifts and just more knowledge moving forward. What I want you to understand is how your metabolism responds in times of high stress. Okay. First, we've got an upregulation or an activation of your adrenals. This is your stress response within your body. And what this does, it releases a hormone called cortisol into the body. Now, I don't want to demonize cortisol. Cortisol is a natural hormone that's naturally produced in your body, and it's essential for your health cortisol is actually the hormone that is released in the morning to wake you up in the day and the way cortisol naturally works in your body is it's supposed to spike in the morning and then slowly taper off through the course of the day now unfortunately with the lifestyles that we live where we have high stress jobs we're taking care of families we're very busy with our schedules now on top of that we add dieting and we add high intensity fitness and all of a sudden we're experiencing elevated levels of cortisol constantly, right? So instead of cortisol tapering down over the course of the day, instead it's staying elevated and then maybe it'll dip down and then it'll elevate again. And then maybe it'll dip down and elevate again. And this can create problems for you the longer it continues to happen. Now in response to cortisol being released in your body, there's a couple other things that are happening. So Now, in stress as well, your body is down regulating other systems, other hormones within your body, particularly your metabolism. And in some cases, your metabolism is slowing down in order to conserve energy. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more so you understand. So, with chronic stress, I'm going to break it down what happens with your metabolism in some cases, what happens with your hormones and gut, some things that you can expect here. So, with chronic stress from a metabolic perspective, so on one end, you've got something called metabolic adaptation. This particularly happens when you're under eating and maybe even over training. So your calories in are very low compared to your calories out and what your body's going to do. This is when your metabolism slows down to conserve energy, and this can impact your hormonal processes as well. And with that, you know, so take, take this example. Let's say you set your calorie goal at about 1200 calories. Your metabolism is now going to slow down and you're not going to see the same weight loss rate that you would have seen at those 1200 calories. So then you're going to have to go even less just to continue to see those results. But the problem is you're already under eating. You're already down regulating your body so much. Then this is where we start to see problems with our health. Then on the other end, we see metabolic syndrome. This often happens when we are overeating, particularly in processed foods and under movement. So (laughs) under movement, and we are not exercising enough. So a lot of times we see that this can lead to insulin resistance, prediabetes, as well as type two diabetes. And a lot of times when we see these shifts in our metabolism, we experience symptoms such as our inability to lose weight. So your retention of fat on your body, particularly in the stomach region, right? Or loss of muscle mass or inability to gain muscle and retain muscle. Because a lot of times when we're not getting enough energy into our body, our body needs to pull that energy from somewhere and it might cannibalize on your muscle tissue then in order to do so. From a hormonal perspective, what you might experience is a loss of period or irregular menstrual cycle or PMS symptoms for the ladies. So if your PMS symptoms are really bad, this is a good red flag to take note of that there might be something hormonally off lack of irregular hunger fullness cues and cravings which makes it really difficult to move to intuitive eating if you don't have normal signals so understand that it's your hormones that signal hunger fullness and cravings so if these are off then you might that might be leading you to actually be overeating creating a lot of the issues that you're struggling with and then we also have disrupted sleep insomnia not feeling rested general fatigue. So maybe you do get seven hours of sleep, but you just never feel well rested when you wake up. Or maybe when you try to lay down for bed, you feel wired yet tired and you can't fall asleep or your sleep is very broken up. And sleep is so essential to your overall body's health that when this is disrupted, we're just stuck in this ugly cycle. Finally, we've got gut. So the biggest thing that I'm seeing when it comes to gut dysregulation is bloating. This is like one of the number one things that I hear people telling me about and complaining about. And a lot of times with a few simple shifts, we can improve bloating. But if those simple shifts don't work, then we probably have a bigger issue at hand. Another thing that we really get into is your bowel movement. So are you pooping every day? This is important. Okay. Um, And what is the consistency of that poop? We got to be okay with talking about poop guys. We got to be okay with looking at our poop and identifying if there is an issue here. So if you're feeling constipated or you're constantly having diarrhea, we definitely have a problem going on here. And then one of the more, you know, fad things that's coming out, it's very trendy to say that there are food sensitivities. A lot of people are being given the label of having IBS and these, this is gut dysfunction that can be healed, but we have to ultimately find the root cause as to why we're, we're experiencing these food sensitivities. Why are we experiencing IBS and then learn how to actually improve our overall gut health. Something I really want you guys to take away from this is these three aspects of your body, your metabolism, hormones, and gut do not work in a single silo. They are all integrated together. So if one process is off, it is most likely traveling down to other processes as well. So chances are, if you have issues in one area, you're most likely having issues in the other areas. And really what I want you to understand is Stress and all of the key areas where stress impacts your body, impacts your overall metabolic health. So, we've got uh, the four quadrants we're going to be talking about today nutrition, training, lifestyle, and mindset. I'm going to break down each one of these and how the stress impacts your overall well being and your body. So let's talk about nutrition a little bit and the stress that's placed on our body due to nutrition pieces, right? So we've got calorie restriction. This is often when we diet and we reduce our calories, particularly too low for what our body actually needs. Now, I want you to understand a base level dieting calorie restriction, even when done right, is still stress on the body and you have to mitigate that stress any anytime that you diet. And a lot of times we're not thinking of that. And a lot of times we're also trying to head into a really drastic calorie deficit because we want those results. Now we want them fast, but I'm going to tell you right now, that's just not the way to go about losing weight. And we're going to talk about the right way to go about losing weight. So managing stress of your calorie restriction. Next up, we see nutrient deficiencies. Now this often happens uh, with two kinds of cases, right? So let's go based off of calorie restriction. If you are reducing your calories, particularly if you're reducing them to a really low level, then you're bound to have nutrient deficiencies because obviously you're not eating quite as much food. And maybe you're avoiding certain foods that are higher calorie that might be super nutrient dense that your body should be consuming in order to get what it needs. On the flip side, maybe you're not focused on your composition of what's making up your diet. You're not eating key whole real foods that provide your body the nutrients that it needs. So we don't want to focus only on calories in and calories out. We also want to focus on what is making up those calories. And then we've got an imbalanced diet. So something that I hear a lot nowadays is what I love. We're putting emphasis on protein. And so I'll hear people say, well, I'm just tracking my protein and I'm letting other things fall wherever they fall. Okay, that's great that you're being on the money with your protein, but you also need to understand where your carbs and your fats are sitting at, because otherwise now we're going to have an imbalance in our diet from a macronutrient perspective, and this can place stress on your body. So let's talk about how to mitigate these stressors. First of all, let's talk about that calorie restriction. Whenever you are going into a dieting phase, a calorie restricted phase, in order to lose weight, what you want to do is reduce your calories as little as possible, but enough to produce healthy weight loss results. And what does healthy weight loss results look like? So for men, it's going to be on average about a pound to two pounds per week. And for ladies, you're not going to like this answer, but for ladies, it's a half pound to a pound a week. And I know that this does not sound fast enough for us, but trust me when I say you want to prioritize healthy weight loss versus fast weight loss. All right. So anytime you're moving yourself into a calorie deficit, you essentially want to start at a maintenance point, find your maintenance. And from there, you can just slowly lower your calories until you see results sit at that calorie level for as long as you see those results. Mind you weight fluctuation is normal. So hang tight there. And then once you're plateauing, you can slowly reduce your calories a little bit more to generate more results. Now, a great way to start off any kind of weight loss phase is with a reverse diet. So remember back when I talked about Becky and how Becky had at one point been eating about 750 calories. Now, when she came to work with me, she wasn't eating quite that little, but she was still under eating pretty drastically. So we did have to slowly, slowly bump her up to 1800 calories. And I used a reverse diet to do this. So a reverse diet is the intentional increase of calories, adding little by little each week. To allow your metabolism to adapt to the increased energy that it's getting in now so that way your metabolism is no longer slowed down and it's actually revving it up a little bit okay so anybody who has dieted for about maybe six months or more or anybody who has been in an in uh, excuse me in a diet phase should always reverse diet in order to get your calories up and then now Once we've reached a maintenance point, so let's say I reverse diet you up to 2000 calories. Now you can probably lose weight at a deficit of 1800 calories, rather than having to drop yourself down to 1200 calories. So oftentimes utilizing a reverse diet can really help set you up for success with future diets to come. Now, another piece to mention, which I've already kind of alluded to is we do not want to do long-term dieting. So Calorie restriction is stress on your body, and we have to mitigate that stress. So we can't have our body in an intentional calorie deficit for long periods of time. And when I talk about long periods of time, I'm saying at least like I I think six months would be the max before we want to implement some kind of break, a diet break where you bring your body back into your into maintenance, you let it sit there for a bit, you let it recover manage that stress before you go back into a calorie deficit and continue on your way if you do have more weight to lose. So that's a little bit of a breakdown on appropriate ways to manage stress with weight loss. But I want to be really clear that not all goals require a calorie deficit. And yet I'm seeing calories in calories out. I'm seeing calorie deficits being thrown at every single goal possible. So if you want to look toned, build muscle, anything like that, The common thought process that's going behind adding a calorie deficit for these goals is, well, if I just lose this fat, I'm going to reveal muscle. But quite frankly, to be blunt, you're not going to reveal any muscle if you haven't taken time to build that muscle. And the way to build muscle is to fuel your body intentionally for building muscle. All right. So there's a couple ways you can go about this. One of my favorite strategies that I use with a lot of my clients is a body recomposition strategy, and I'm going to provide a little bit more insight into what that looks like in just a bit. So we've got a body recomposition strategy, which allows you to eat enough to fuel your body for the exercise that you're doing while also putting a heavy protein emphasis to build muscle. And oftentimes we can build muscle and burn fat. Usually the scale is not changing a ton here. I've seen for some people, such as Becky, it helped her lose weight, but I've seen for other people, the scale doesn't move, but their bodies physically change. So I think Heather would be another great example of that, where sitting more in a maintenance point, you know, she mentioned that she had increase in muscle mass, but the scale only moved down about a pound. Another way to do this is a calorie surplus. So I mentioned that this is the phase that I'm currently in right now, trying to put on muscle. This is where we intentionally eat beyond our daily calorie needs in order to put muscle on. And once again, we wanna do this within a short period of time and not necessarily prolonged. If you want, now some of you are listening to this, you're like, my goals are not focused on my body. I'm not looking to manipulate how I look. I'm not looking to see the scale go down. I really just want to support my performance in the gym and overall hormone health and just general body health. So in this case, you need to eat at levels that fuel your exercise and recovery. So the way that I do this, right, I'm the anti-macro coach. We don't track macros. We don't weigh our food here. We don't measure our food, but it's important that my clients do understand how to make up their diet, how to create balance across those macronutrients and how to calorie control for very specific goals. So in this case, I use something called the hand portion method. So here's a visual of that hand portion method. What we're looking at here is a palm. The size of your palm represents the size of a portion of protein. The size of your fist or a heaping cupful represents the size of a vegetable portion. The size of a cupped hand. So imagine what you can fit into a cupped handful is going to be your carbohydrate portion. And a thumb size is going to be representative of your fats. Okay, what this method is used to do is we are uh eyeballing our food it teaches you to be able to look at your portions and understand how much you are eating in that moment and understand whether or not you are creating balance within this within your your nutrition right and it allows us to give you enough guidance to reach specific goals But at the same time, we're not obsessively counting every single gram of food that we eat. So it allows a lot of people who find macro counting to be very restrictive or anxiety-inducing to release some of the control over their food and find a lot more food freedom with this method because it is much more highly estimated. And I'm going to be really, really honest with you right now. See, I don't build six-packs here. I don't build really lean individuals unless, quite frankly, someone's genetics supports that. But oftentimes, building very lean bodies requires macro tracking, requires restriction to some degree, and requires a lot of discipline. And that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to help you find food freedom feel healthy in your body. Now you can look toned. You can look like you work out. You can be healthy and you don't necessarily need a six pack for that. And the hand portion method allows us to do that while staying very estimated. Here's an example. I'm going to show you a couple examples of what my clients are eating from a portion perspective. So you understand how much people are eating. Now, as I go through these, the amounts are an average recommendation. We're assuming that you're working out anywhere between three to five hours a week, most likely doing either resistance training or high intensity fitness, probably walking at least daily, let's say about 5K steps, right? Five to eight to 10K steps. So this is a very general average. And I want to be really clear that these hand portions that I'm putting up are not going to be individualized to you. I'm not saying this is exactly how much you should eat, but it gives you a visual representation of what my clients are eating using this method. So talking about maintenance and overall general health. So we're looking at about four to five portions of protein. We're looking at about three to four portions of vegetables, four to six portions of carbs and five to seven of Fats. Now I really want to highlight something from the vegetable perspective. Okay. Three to four fist size portions is a lot more than the average person is eating. This is one of the areas where I really see people under eating when it comes to their nutrition. So I put a pretty heavy emphasis on that with my coaching using the hand portion method, which I oftentimes find overlooked by macro tracking. In comparison, if let's say we wanna go into a weight loss phase, what you'll see here, we're going to increase your protein as well as your vegetables. So anytime you're increasing protein, you do want to increase your fiber consumption, So we're looking at about five to seven portions of protein, four to six portions of vegetables, and then we're going to decrease your carbohydrates and fat intake. This is where you create that calorie deficit. So the protein and the vegetables and that fiber content is going to keep you full and feeling satisfied. And then we're creating that calorie deficit with the carbs and fats in reducing there in comparison to the body recomposition method that I really like to use with particularly my high intensity fitness athletes. So we're looking at bumping up that protein to about five to six portions, give or take, right? Three to four portions of vegetables. So we're kind of in that maintenance mode from a vegetable perspective, but now we're increasing your carbohydrates and your fat intake. So we're at about Six to eight portions of carbs, seven to nine portions of fats. We've got those on the higher end to fuel your body, maintain hormone health, but then we also have a higher emphasis on protein than we would on maintenance or general health. And then finally, we have performance. So this is for my individuals who want to really fuel their workouts. They're not really concerned about what their body looks like, seeing the scale move, anything like that. They just want to feel really good when they hit those workouts. So what we're going to do, we're going to keep that protein at more of a moderate level, four to five portions. Then we've got about three to four portions of vegetables. One, once again, keeping it fairly moderate, but we're going to jack up those carbs and fats to about seven to nine or more portions of carbs and fats respectively, right? So that's going to go higher and higher depending on really how much you're exercising, what your sport is, right? People who are doing marathons are definitely going to eat much more on the higher end than someone who's maybe doing, you know, five to six days of CrossFit classes. But still, we need to acknowledge that we need to fuel our bodies in order to perform our best. So what you can take away from this is how your nutrition can shift based on each individual goal. Let's talk a little bit more about managing stress with nutrition. So we're going to talk about that balanced diet, right? So starting with considering a macronutrient balance. So we want to represent, as you noticed with the hand portions, protein, carbs, and fat within your diet. I want you to understand why each of these is important. So protein, this is the building blocks for muscle. We need adequate protein intake and we actually it's ideal to eat your protein spread out throughout the day. Okay, you want a consistent stream of protein being fed into your body if possible. What you also need to understand is it doesn't really make sense to overdo it on protein because your body doesn't store protein the same way that it stores carbs and carbs and fats. So any excess protein will simply be flushed out of the body carbs and fats in the meantime. So we've got carbs first. This is your preferred energy source for your body. I do not care what anybody on keto says. Carbs are your body's preferred energy source. Okay. This is ideal for especially fueling what's called a glycolytic activity. That is your high intensity fitness. Things like CrossFit, HIIT, orange theory, all of these things that I keep mentioning, these are glycolytic activities, which means they rely on carbohydrates as an optimal fuel source. Then we've got fats as well. We still need those. So your hormones are actually made up of fats. So that's why your fats go towards maintaining hormonal health. And they are also a secondary energy source. So your body can dip into that to fuel your exercise as well. Now, when we boil it down to then our micronutrient status, so we're talking about the quality of food intake. We're not doing that if it fits your macro shit here, okay? We're not just saying if I hit my calorie intake, I'm good to go. no you need to focus on the quality of your nutrition. So what I have here, I have a general list, right? Protein, carbs, fats, vegetables, and I list some whole real foods here. So protein, we've got meat, seafoods, eggs, Greek yogurt, cottage cheese, tofu, tempeh, edamame, carbs. We've got beans, lentils, oats, grains, rice, potatoes, and fruits, fats, oils, nuts, nut butters, avocado, cheese, seeds, olives, and coconut. And then vegetables we've got, I've just written eat the rainbow, right? Just eat an assorted color of all different kinds of vegetables. And with this, I'm not saying that this is an like ex- inclusive, all-inclusive list, right? This is not the only foods that you are to be eating. Of course, there are foods beyond this, but these are ideal sources to get majority of your nutrients with, all right? I really help my clients navigate those indulgences, how to be mindful about indulging in eating foods that are less whole real food, right? That aren't necessarily nutrient dense, but might be more calorie dense. But really when we're looking at our diet, about 80 plus percent of the time, we want to be giving our body whole real foods, and a variety as well. Variety is key and important. So if you think about gym bros right back in the day when it was like, just eat chicken, rice, and broccoli every single day, you'll reach your goals. No, that is not optimizing your health because you are minimizing the number of nutrients that your body is exposed to. The greater variety you have in your diet, the more vitamins and minerals your body gets into your diet, and the more you support a, uh, a varied gut bacteria as well, which helps aid in digestion. Let's dive into training a little bit. So the key piece that I really want to focus on with training that I'm seeing time and time again is that high-intensity exercise is, not, is devoid of appropriate rest or recovery. And that balance is so key. It is so important to maintain some level of balance here. So I want to really make it clear that I want you guys to avoid overtraining. And what does that look like? So when I make my recommendations, I'm thinking of the average person. Assuming the average person is either going to school or they're going to work, right? Probably full-time, maybe they're doing both. A lot of times people have others to care for, whether it is a spouse, whether it's children, or like for me, I have a fur baby and he quite frankly takes up a good amount of my time. And energy, right? And then we have other responsibilities. We have to care for our home. We have to clean. We have to cook, right? You have all of these aspects of your life. And now on top of that, you also have to go to the gym, right? So when I'm talking about my recommendation, this is the kind of person I'm talking about. And I recommend about three to four hours of training per week, particularly if it's high intensity for general health. And you're going to sit there and think, well, that's not a lot. Especially if you're the type who's training five, six, seven days a week, right? And what I really want you to understand is let's look back to the person that I was back in the day. I was training all the time and I was having injury flare-ups left and right. And the thing is, is that I should have been doing more mobility, more recovery. But what I would have told you is I don't have time. That's bullshit. I had time. I didn't prioritize it, right? I instead spent more hours training and pushing my body thinking it meant more to be in the gym more, but then I didn't have time to mobilize and focus on my recovery. And so that's what I'm talking about when we need to find this balance. You've got a lot going on in your life. I'm not saying that if you're only training about three to four hours a day, that you're not moving your body daily. And we'll talk about, you know, general movement in a little bit in the lifestyle section, But we do also want to be putting forth some of our time towards intentional recovery practices. And that will also be something that I talk about in the lifestyle section. Let's say you do want to train more than four hours a week. You love your gym. This is where you get your energy out. It is your community. You have fun there. So you want to be showing up to the gym more than four hours per week. Then if that's the case, you need to ensure that your recovery is on point. Now, I want to give you a little bit of an idea on kind of where our mindset's at and who we compare ourselves to, right? So especially in the CrossFit industry, I've, I've been in CrossFit for a while, so this is where I really, I, you know, this is where most of my understanding is. And when we look at, let's say, games, Athletes. They post their workouts. We watch the fittest on earth documentaries and they dramatize it so it looks freaking awesome. And we think, wow, I want to train like these people. And, you know, these top athletes are training two hours, three hours a day, every single day. And if they can do it, so can I. False. All right. Let's bring you back down to reality, back down to earth. Let's talk about what these people are also doing. Okay. These high level athletes that you're looking up to. They are most likely doing this full-time. Very few of these CrossFit Games athletes are also working other full-time jobs and things like that. So chances are these athletes are also spending one to two hours a day on mobility and recovery work. They also are tracking their macros. Quite frankly, they are looking at every little thing that they put into their body and they are not indulging the way the standard average American might right and even an american who is cognizant of their diet they are still not indulging that much in addition to that these people are probably sleeping 8 to even 9 hours per night to optimize their recovery and they're supplementing right so there's so many other aspects where these individuals are really focused on their overall recovery and that's what you don't have time for in your everyday life so we just need to understand what the reality of caring for our bodies looks like when we're also living our lives. So I wanted to make that clear. You know, if you want to train more than four hours a week and you have the time to commit to all of the lifestyle pieces that I'm going to talk about in a little bit, then by all means, go ahead and hit it. But something I want to also make clear is that not every single training session needs to be a hard-hitting training session. You do not need to give it your all. And this is very tricky. In these group classes, this is what the community brings, right? We find other people who push us. We compete against other people. Our coaches are pushing us, and we love it. But it is not healthy and not realistic to think that every single day is going to be your best workout yet. And you're going to be making your sweat angels on the ground, right? So there's a couple different ways that we can vary our intensity, which means that we can work out maybe more often, but not necessarily feel the negative effects from it. Okay. So (laughs) First, we've got vary your intensity either day to day or week to week. So what this might look like, let's say you do want to go to the gym about five days a week and you're maybe hitting your, your workout classes, but three of those days you give it your all. You push yourself, you lift heavy, you, you know do whatever it is that feels like giving your all. But two of those days, you pull back on your intensity. You scale the workouts a little bit more. Maybe you don't go as heavy. Maybe you don't go as fast. You move at about maybe 75, 80% effort as opposed to 100%, right? That's a really great way to essentially offset some of that intensity, offset some of that stress that you're putting onto your body. But you can still continue to go to the gym five days a week without feeling like a train hit you. Another way is to periodize your training. So this is kind of how we can vary our intensity week to week. Now, for me, when I program for my clients, I program on a six week cycle. And that means every first week is known as a deload week. This means my clients are putting in about 60% perceived effort into their workouts. They're starting all of their weightlifting nice and light. We're not pushing it too hard in any kind of conditioning work or bodybuilding work that I incorporate. And then over those consecutive six weeks, we're increasing in weight, we're increasing in intensity until finally that sixth week is usually more of an all out effort. Typically I have them testing their lifts in that six weeks. So we're getting heavy, right? We're increasing the intensity that way, but then they restart the next week with another deload week. So that's how I periodize my clients training. And that's how you can do it as well. Most gyms do not incorporate deload weeks because quite frankly members find it boring and it's not good for membership sales so keep this in mind that you might need to set your own deload weeks and you can also do this naturally maybe you're not doing it on a four to six to eight week cycle. But maybe you're simply going based off of how you feel. So going back to my client example, Heather, okay, Heather would have these really, really high stress weeks. And whenever she was experiencing higher stress, we would reduce her intensity. We would reduce the number of times she went to F45 and we would increase parasympathetic or recovery-based activities such as walking. So she was still moving her body, but not necessarily pushing as hard. We would increase her sleep, particularly on those weeks to really prioritize that recovery. And it could also be, you know, I always say in CrossFit, constantly varied fitness means constantly varied soreness. So you might wake up one day and feel extra sore than you normally do. And you use that as a sign to pull back on your intensity. And then, of course, incorporating rest days and active recovery days a lot more intentionally. So on those rest days, what are you doing to recover? Are you going for walks? Are you doing mobility or stretching and things like that? Rest days are not bad things. We like rest days. All right. I want to put that here. Rest days are good and they are essential part of your training regimen. All right. So let's talk about lifestyle. And this is really, really where we're going to get into incorporating some of those recovery based activities. So sleep, walking and steps, stress, mobility and stretching, and then let's definitely touch upon alcohol consumption. All right. When we are talking, maintaining a healthy lifestyle outside of the gym. So a lot of times what I'm seeing is that people are looking at the calories they consume and the calories that they burn, but then they don't factor in their overall lifestyle. And when you are trying to optimize your health, you need to look at the big picture. So I mentioned earlier that sleep Is essential to your baseline health and circadian health, this is your body clock, is very, very important. So I cannot emphasize this enough. You want to sleep at least seven to eight hours per night with proper sleep hygiene. I see a lot of times people will sleep five to six hours and then just consume so much coffee to get through the day and think that this is okay and it's not. See, even getting less than seven hours of sleep on a regular basis can actually predispose you to insulin resistance over time. And so sleep is just so essential to our overall wellness and our overall health. Now let's talk about proper sleep hygiene and what I mean by that. So if you're watching this video here, you see me wearing these glasses. These are blue light glasses. These help block the blue light that's coming from my computer screen blocks it from my phone TV. And I wear these, I prefer to wear them all the time, just so I always remember to wear them, but it is essential that we wear them basically in the evening hours. What blue light does is it signals to our body that it's still daylight and it's still wake time. And your body has what's called a circadian rhythm. And the circadian rhythm manages when we have hormone spikes and when we have hormone drops. So I mentioned earlier that cortisol comes up in the morning to signal to us, Hey, it's time to wake up. And as it tapers down, what we then have on the flip side is melatonin. Melatonin is a natural hormone that will come up in the evening to signal. It's time to go to sleep blue light will impact the uh, the effects of melatonin. Our melatonin may not actually spike when it's supposed to in the evening, signaling to our body that it's time to wind down. So that's part of proper sleep hygiene, ensuring that you're not actually just scrolling your phone, right? Social media, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, you name it, before we sleep. A lot of times this can just mentally activate us and impact our overall sleep habit. Ensuring that you're doing I usually like to recommend a minimum of 30 minutes of like intentional winding down, but an hour is ideal, right? Take time to do calming activities such as maybe doing a gentle stretch or journaling or whatnot, and then getting ready for your bed. So maybe this is washing your face, brushing your teeth. And then for me personally, I like to do a nice meditation to help bring myself into sleep. So that those are just some ideas on how you can prime your body to rest. And then, of course, keeping a nice cold and dark room can help promote better sleep as well. In addition, we want to move your body with walking or gentle movement daily. So as I mentioned with rest days, it's not to say that we're sitting on the couch like a couch potato all the time. Whenever we're resting, we're just doing nothing. That's not the case. And now I'm not here to demonize just having a restful day once in a while. But I do want to emphasize that it's very healthy for us to move our bodies daily, especially on those rest days. Going for a walk even Helps promote blood flow, which then flows into the muscles, which then helps them recover a lot better, right? In general, walking can also increase your non exercise activity, which can overall increase your metabolic rate. So, some things to consider there. Something else to keep in mind. So, I was talking about circadian health. Daily sunlight exposure is really helpful with maintaining circadian health and getting outside to go for a walk can be really helpful for that. Now, I know I'm a little bit spoiled. I have a dog who always ensures that I get outside because he needs his daily walk. But in addition, I live in California where the weather is so much better here. So I do have, you know, a little bit of benefits to that. But if you do live in a colder or less temperate, location, some ideas. I've told my clients that you can walk within your office, especially if your office has stairs, go walk the stairs just a little bit, right? Just go for a lap around. I used to do laps around my office all the time back when I worked in an office and I found that very helpful. Maybe you're not walking, but you're doing a yoga session or you're doing gentle stretching because it's still moving your body in some way. Then we want to manage your overall stress. And when I'm talking about overall stress, I'm talking about overall training load, which we already discussed, right? Managing your overall intensity and output, but then also mitigating additional stress during these high stress times. So this is the kind of stress that we experience on a daily basis. And that might be the stress of your job or the stress of family life or general stressors that come up throughout life. Right. And so that's kind of what I mentioned before with Heather, when she was navigating much higher stress periods in her life, we were downregulating a lot of the other stress inducing activities such as high intensity fitness, just to manage her overall stress that her body was experiencing. Then incorporating regular mobility or stretching to support your physical training and reduce your risk of injuries. This is something that I see underutilized all the time and I see it in person, okay? I still coach CrossFit in person. I coach CrossFit classes. And I'll be honest, as a CrossFit coach, I don't usually get a ton of time within the hour to stretch out my members as much as I would like to, but I always try to make a point to do so. That said, I always have members cleaning up During the stretching period and totally skipping it entirely, or I have my members holding like a 30 second stretch and a lot of them are coming out of that stretch before the 30 seconds is up. So I see this all the time, and I know very well that even if I say hey you better stretch at home, most of them are not doing that right so incorporating regular mobility or stretching. What this allows you to do is, especially if you're doing physical fitness, that puts your body into particular positions that you need a level of flexibility, mobility to hold. This helps reduce your risk of injury. And in addition, it also helps with your body's overall recovery. Now let's touch upon alcohol a little bit, right? Alcohol, no matter which way you cut it, is a Toxin. Whenever we consume toxins in our bodies, that applies stress. And I know that it's one of these socially accepted toxins. It's very ingrained in our social lives as a whole. We've got also the idea that, oh, I'll just have a glass of wine or two each night. It's not that bad. You know, even if you're not just binge drinking on the weekends, a glass of of wine or two a night or a drink or two per night can still have a negative impact on your overall health. And we need to be mindful of our alcohol consumption. So a a few quick facts that I want you guys to take away from how alcohol impacts your body. So first of all, when your body is processing alcohol, it's holding off other processes. So your body is going to prioritize processing and getting rid of any kind of toxins through your liver before it takes care of the calories that you eat. So for a lot of you, this is actually going to halt any kind of fat burning activity and increase fat storage. And usually it can take our body 24 to 36 hours to process this alcohol. Now, let's say that you're drinking every single night, Imagine the impact that this is happening on your overall body's health, right? What a lot of people will focus on is that alcohol is just, quote unquote, empty calories. And they're like, oh, well, I would just lose weight if I just stopped drinking all the calories. But I want you to also be aware that it's not just the calories. And for anybody who's reading those articles that say like a glass of red wine a night is great for heart health. These, these articles are bullshit that what they're doing is they're taking very nuanced information from studies and twisting it to sound positive. When in actuality, you cannot get around it. Alcohol is a toxin. It is not good for our bodies. And I'm not saying don't drink alcohol ever. I indulge as well, but what I am saying is being mindful Of your consumption and the impact that it does have on your health and on your body. Okay. Increased alcohol consumption can also lead to insulin resistance. It can also lead to inflammation within the body. So just be aware of those things. And finally, let's touch upon mindset. So I think mindset is sometimes underutilized in your overall journey. Sometimes we're just like, let's grin it and bear it and get through it. So I really want to talk about stress management, enjoyment of the overall process and having a healthy relationship with food and your body and how your mindset really does impact your journey. So here, what we're doing is we're managing our ongoing stressors and the perceived stress that we have, how we interpret information with our own environment. And then from that interpretation, how it impacts our internal bodily processes. So when I'm talking about overall stress, I'm talking about packed schedules, setting boundaries, problem-solving skills, demanding jobs, and also having just realistic expectations, whether that's about anything in your general life or your health and fitness journey. We'll talk about that definitely a little bit more, but when I'm talking about this overall stress, right? If we are a stress cadet, and I used to always say, I function on really, I function on anxiety, right? High anxiety makes me really productive. Okay. This was not a healthy thing for me to say at the time. This was not a badge of honor that I should have been wearing, right? If we have a constantly packed schedule, we're always on the go. And then this genuinely stresses us out and keeps us on alert all the time, we're seeing that chronically elevated cortisol, right? And I've already mentioned earlier how that can impact your overall health. So it's important that we do set boundaries. We say no at times. We are not yes men or women, right? We want to place those boundaries. We want to understand when things are within our control and when we can apply problem-solving skills and when they are not within our control and we can learn to cope with that. And so for those of you who will say, I ask this on my intake form, how do you cope with stress? Nine times out of 10, I see written exercise, and I want to be really clear on something. Exercise is stress, and you are treating stress with more stress. What we need to do is we need to balance out stress with parasympathetic or recovery activities. So ways that we can do this is through strategies such as meditation, meditation, gratitude, journaling, and therapy. These are just some ideas, right? And I like to do a mixture of a little bit of everything. Now with meditation, I mentioned earlier, I like to use this to wind down at the end of my night. So that way I can put myself to sleep easily. It also helps me stop the the running thoughts that are constantly going through my mind. Practicing daily gratitude can really help, especially if you have more of a negative outlook and negative disposition, because this can impact your overall stress response within your body. So practicing gratitude can give you a more positive outlook on life, which alleviates a lot of that stress. Journaling is excellent for brain dumps. So once again, if you can't get your brain to stop running, I see a lot of people or I hear a lot of people will tell me, oh, I can't meditate because the thoughts just keep running through my head. Grab a piece of paper, write it all down. I set myself reminders for things that I wanna do the next day. So I'm not worried about forgetting to do them, things like that. And I'm a really big mental health advocate. As I mentioned, I've been struggling with anxiety for years. Um, And so I've been a big user of therapy. I'm currently going to therapy weekly. And it's very helpful to have somebody help you cope, especially with life stressors and trauma. And then let's get into enjoyment of the process. So once again, a lot of times we think that we have to just grin it and bear it when it comes to our weight loss or health journey, okay? Especially when people are focused on weight loss. They're like, all I wanna do is just lose the weight. So all I have to do is adhere to this 1200 calorie diet, workout every single day for the next eight weeks, then I'm gonna lose the weight, I'm gonna be happy. That's not really how it's going to work, right? If you're killing yourself for the results that you want, you're going to be miserable. And if you're miserable, that's going to affect your body's stress. And this will affect your health. And believe it or not, it will also affect your results. So you need to actually like what you're doing. Stop doing bullshit diets that you just think that you have to do in order to see results, but you're miserable doing it. Like if you ever told me that I had... intermittent fast, I would probably be one of the crankiest people ever. I prefer, and I operate much better with eating every few hours. I like eating throughout my day. Intermittent fasting is not going to make me a happy person. So I'm not going to do it, right? If you're jumping on the keto train, just because your best friend's aunt said she lost like 20 pounds on it, but you're miserable cutting out carbs, then don't do it. Stop as well focusing solely on the end result. So a lot of times we fixate on that end goal, which makes us miserable during the process whenever we get frustrated with missteps and things along the way, right? Celebrate wins, along the way things that i like to call out with my clients like even if you're on a weight loss journey a body recomposition journey things that i'm calling out with my clients and celebrating with them is they have a healthier relationship with food especially if they're like hey i went out to eat and i did eat chips at the mexican restaurant but i didn't overfill on them i was able to eat my main course and afterwards i wasn't stuffed to the brim like hey that's a major win or Hey, I went traveling and I was able to experience a lot more food freedom, but I made sure to incorporate vegetables into a lot of my meals. And I would have never done that before. That's an amazing win, right? Celebrate every little piece along the way to keep you motivated and stop focusing on solely the end result and not being there. And then also get real, realistic expectations, okay? Know that this process takes time and it's rarely linear. So do not get caught up in the details. So as you saw before I showcased Becky's, uh, her weight loss journey, right? And what you notice is it didn't go directly down. It went up and then it went down and then went up again and then went down, right? Fluctuations are normal. It is normal to have some setbacks along the way. It's bound to happen. So acknowledge that that's part of the journey. I'm going to do a mini side tangent just to tell you guys just what helped me. So when I hired my coach to venture into my rehab journey for my chronic back pain, I made the conscious decision that no matter what, I was going to commit to his coaching for a minimum of one year. I was committed to the process. I knew that he wasn't going to be able to heal my back in six to eight weeks. I knew that I was going to have to work at this for some time because I had lived over a decade. I probably, arguably so, I almost two decades in pain with my back injury and that's not going to be fixed in three months or less, right? So I committed to one year and that helped me mentally so much because when I knew I was committed to a year along the process when I would have setbacks, i feel like, that's okay. I'm here for a year. We're still working, right? We're not there yet. But you know what? I celebrated those small wins along the way. Maybe even when I did have flare-ups with my low back pain, I was like, well, you know what? I'm having them less frequently. Or for me, at times my flare-ups would happen. And when I was in like my worst back pain, right? When my flare-ups would happen, I would not be able to bend over to, let's say, touch my toes. I would have to really overcompensate in order to bend, So when I noticed that I was dealing with a flare up, but I could bend over still comfortably, damn, that was a win. Or I used to have pain shoot down all the way through my hamstrings. And when that pain wasn't going down as far in my legs, I was like, wow, that's a win. (laughs) I'm still in pain, but you know what? It's not as bad as it used to. And I'm celebrating those little wins along the way. And I focused on the long-term goal. And now I'm still with my coach well over a year. I'm still working through that process. I've come so, so far, and I'm so happy that I committed to it and that I didn't get frustrated when things weren't going perfectly. I stayed the course. We made some adjustments, and we got me to where I am today in a lot less pain. Um, So let's talk about managing ongoing stressors and perceived stress in relation to our relationship with food. So if macros fucks with your head, do not track macros. I, this is where we get into, you know, is this a healthy strategy for you? I will not lie to you. I think macro tracking is a legitimate tool in this space and it works, but it doesn't work for everybody. It didn't work for me. And maybe it doesn't work for you. Maybe it makes you obsessive. Maybe it makes you restrict. Maybe it gives you food anxiety, what have you. If it messes with your head, do not track. And I'm going to be very, very honest right now. I have clients who are not even tracking hand portions not everyone can do it. It is not a valid option for some people because as soon as they start tracking anything, that obsession comes back and that's okay. So I find other ways to coach them. We use food journals or something else to limit the obsession and still empower them to get to know their nutrition and focus on working towards their goals. So you need to find something that does not make you crazy. Now, instead of using a good versus bad scale when, it talk, when talking about food, right, eat this, not that, instead I use a sliding scale. I use a scale that goes from eat more to eat some to eat less. So I'm not saying these foods are off limits. I'm simply saying, hey, maybe we don't want to eat them every day. All right. And we put a heavy emphasis on whole real foods that we do want to be incorporating into our diet on a very regular basis. Also keep in mind that eating clean with a cheat meal is often just a fancy way of saying restrict and binge and having a restrict and binge pattern is not healthy for you. Instead, incorporate indulgences moderately in your day to day. A great example is I have a client who loves pizza, but the thing is she would only really let herself eat pizza on a weekend. It was a weekend food, but this gave her more of a binge mentality, right? The idea that, well, this is the only time I can eat pizza. So therefore I have to eat it all now. Versus I told her, Hey, why don't we give yourself permission to eat pizza on a weekday? You can order pizza on a weekday and it is okay. And maybe sometimes she wanted to practice balancing that meal out. So maybe sometimes you order pizza and you also get a salad. Maybe sometimes you order pizza and you add a meat topping to incorporate protein, right? There's different ways that we can find flexibility with your eating. So that way you don't feel so restricted. And then more importantly, anytime you are indulging, anytime you are eating something that you feel is not in alignment with like pure health, right? It's not clean eating, um, it is not perfectly balanced. The thing that I want you to always rely on is eat slowly and eat mindfully, stop at fullness or satisfaction, and then move on. When we allow ourselves to indulge mindfully, we feel a lot more satisfied with the experience. So a great example is a lot of times what we'll do is we're like, oh, I could really use something sweet, right? We're passing a bowl of chocolate. We're like, I'll just have one. It's not that you want one, you'll just have one. You're restricting yourself. So you have one piece of chocolate, you walk away. Then you're walking past that bowl of chocolate again. You're like, okay, one more. And the next thing you know, you do that five, six more times. You've eaten more than you actually want to, because at no point did you pay attention to the experience of eating the chocolate. At no point did you allow yourself to have what you actually wanted, right? And this is something where I want to express to you, like if you just acknowledged, I want three pieces of chocolate that would make me happy. Okay? Then grab those three pieces of chocolate, sit down, eat them mindfully, enjoy the process of it and then move on without making yourself feel guilty. You'd be surprised how much more satisfied you are by the experience, right? And I also want to express that food, so there's the saying food is fuel. And it's not wrong. But food is not just fuel. Stop boiling food down to it's just calories in. Food is also nourishment, it's enjoyment, it's cultural, it's social, it's so much more. Food has a greater impact on our lives and our lifestyles than sometimes we are willing to admit. It is not just calories. It is so much more than that. And when we open our minds to what food and how it plays a part in our lives, then we don't have to make ourselves feel so bad for enjoying it sometimes. So I've given you so much information here. You've learned all about how to support a healthy metabolism without macros. I have covered everything from nutrition to training to lifestyle to mindset. And maybe you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed or you're afraid to do what you know you need to do. Or maybe you're just sick of trying to go at it alone. Trust me, I've got you, I can help. So I do offer one-on-one coaching and through one-on-one coaching, I'm taking all of this information that I just shared with you and putting into a custom plan for you to help you achieve your goals and guide you step-by-step. So you never have to feel overwhelmed and you know, truly that you're on the path for success. So it's one thing to know what you have to do. It's another thing to take it, put it into an action plan, and then stay consistent with it. And working with me means that I can help you really break down, okay, What is going to make you successful? How do we build habits around these actions that we know you need to do? How do we make it as easy as possible for you to integrate this into your lifestyle and then maintain it for the rest of your life? I cover it all. I know that it says I'm a nutrition coach, but really nutrition goes so much more beyond food. I also touch upon training. Even if you don't necessarily do my workout programs, I do guide you on how frequently you're training, what goals we have, how to taper or tailor your training and more. Even if you are going to your favorite fitness classes, I also focus on lifestyle, stress, As well as supplementation, I know that that's not something I touched upon today because a lot of times that's very nuanced. I don't have enough time to touch upon supplementation in a single hour, but I do absolutely touch upon it with my clients. Basically anything that impacts your health, we work on. And together we will build those sustainable habits, develop strategies that you can rely on so that you can maintain progress once again for the rest of your life. Uh, Something else that I've implemented this year with my clients is utilizing lab testing. So being able to look at your hormone levels, your general nutrient uh, intake and cholesterol, lipids, all that jazz we can look into. So it allows you to really go more in depth with your health and take a look at markers that truly notate your health beyond just your physical weight or size. And this way we can really define more custom-made protocols for you to optimize your health truly. And I do not do macro tracking. I do not do restriction. As you've seen here, I do use the hand portion method. Not all of my clients use that. And sometimes we just got to get a little bit creative about what truly works for them. But with my process, I want to ensure that you do develop a healthy relationship with food and your body. So you can finally ditch dieting for good. It's all about nourishing your body for life and truly knowing how to take care of yourself. With that, if you are interested in joining me for one-on-one coaching, you can apply at rebrand.ly slash apply coach D. In the meantime, if you have questions, definitely hit me up on Instagram at Coach Diana Lee, or you can shoot me an email if you're not on social media at coachdiana at gmail.com. I did get a couple of questions in my DMs prior to this class. So I am going to touch upon them here as like a nice little QA session. So the first question is: Can you optimize your metabolism on a plant-based diet? And what I hope you learned here is that yes, right? I didn't really touch upon uh specific diet styles per se but you can absolutely optimize your diet your metabolism on a plant-based diet what it really comes down to is being mindful of your macro nutrients as well as micro nutrients. Now for a lot of plant-based eaters, you might have to look into supplementation, particularly B12, because that's something that we get from animal products that you will most likely be deficient in and potentially others as well. But that's where supplementation can come into play to ensure that you're getting adequate nutrients into your diet and optimizing your metabolism and your health. Um, The next question is how can you optimize your nutrition and training or nutrition around training, excuse me. So when it comes to optimizing your nutrition around training, I want to make something really clear. So I gave you some general aspects of how to fuel your body for exercise and specific goals. Okay. And before you jump into more high level specific strategies, such as like carb timing, let's say, so carb timing is the concept of, putting your carbs closer to your workouts to intentionally fuel those workouts and then also replenish your glycolytic storage and putting your fats a little bit away from your workouts because that's not ideal to be near your workouts. Okay. This is a high level strategy at a base level. Most of you guys just need to get your nutrition down pat. And trust me when I say that if you get your nutrition down pat and you know how to fuel your body for the exercise that you're doing, you're going to be fine. You're going to see the results that you want. You won't really need to get into the nitty gritty unless you're going into competitions or anything like that, where you really, really want to focus on your performance. Now that said, a frequent question that I get is, okay, well, what should I eat before my workout? And what I will say that's helpful is focus on quick digesting carbs. So a lot of times this is going to be things like fruit, Or it's going to be food, uh, types of carbs that are a little bit more refined, a little bit more processed. So, as opposed to going for a whole grain bread, let's say a white bread might be more easily digestible and provide quick energy source pre-workout. Um, I've talked about this before on my Instagram, and I do have a post about it specifically on smoothies. If you want me to send that to you, just shoot me a dm i'm happy to pop it over but i find smoothies to be really helpful i use it myself i recommend it to clients all the time mainly because liquid calories are much more easily digested by your body can be quickly digested i find that it does not upset my stomach when i consume a smoothie usually i do a very macro balance i actually do incorporate fats in my smoothie um but I do drink that before my workout and I find that it fuels me appropriately. And I, once again, don't have any kind of GI distress when I do that. Uh, So I do like incorporating those. Otherwise metabolism around your cycle. So understanding how to optimize your metabolism around your period and such. So it's a little bit less about optimizing it and a little bit more about understanding it and from a hormonal level. So just a quick rundown, what you might notice is that you are hungrier or that your cravings increase right around or right before your period. I know for me, it happens like a week before, anytime I find myself unable To like manage my hunger. I'm just so hungry. I find myself like face deep in the fridge at any time. I'm like, okay, we know what's happening here. So I find that I get very, very hungry in the week leading up to my period. And if this is the case, some strategies that we can lean on to ensure that one, we're not diving face first into a ton of processed food. And two, we're managing our hunger and our cravings is one, increase your protein. Uh, Just add an extra portion in there because once again, that can increase your satiety and help stave off any kind of extra cravings. Increase your fiber content. So this can come from your vegetables, your fruits, as well as whole grains. So that can also keep you a little bit fuller without necessarily going over on your calorie intake. And then also managing your cravings in a much more balanced way. Way And so what I mean by that is, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, I usually keep individually wrapped chocolates on hand pretty much at all times. Um, because anytime I do want a little bit of chocolate, I love just grabbing one and I will do it. But sometimes I will also think, well, maybe how can I add more nutrient? to my indulgence, to my meal. And so sometimes I like to opt for a Greek yogurt with strawberries. I add in a few chocolate chips, maybe drizzle of honey and it's something sweet. It cures those cravings, but notice that it also has a little bit more nutrient value to it, right? So I'm not saying every single time you have to healthify your food. Sometimes you really just need to listen to those cravings and you feel like, I really want ice cream. Great, have the ice cream, eat it mindfully, move on. But sometimes it can help to also look at that and say, you know what, I know that my body needs nutrients right now. I probably haven't gotten enough in through the course of the day, so I'm going to go ahead and bump that up. So those are some of the questions that I got just from my Instagram DM. So feel free, follow up with me, ask some more questions. What else do you want to know? If you have questions about coaching, let me know as well. Other than that, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to watch this video, to watch Master Metabolism without macros. and I. Hope you guys just utilize this information to improve your health and your lifestyle overall.